Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. The way society perceives the disabled has undergone something of a sea change in recent years due both to legal advances and changing mores. However, some stigmas and stereotypes remain difficult to erase. Gerald Christian, a doctoral candidate in human performance, is the lead author of Quadriplegic Sexuality, Demystifying Misconceptions, a peer-reviewed article that was published earlier this year in the journal Leisure Sciences. How do we see quadriplegics as sexual beings and how do they perceive sexuality? After this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. A group of MTSU agritourism students prepared agriculture-related harvest handbags for the 80 Homer Pittard Campus School first graders and teachers who received the autumn ag bags full of goodies in late November. The 13 college students couldn't plan for the annual holiday visit with Santa in the Tennessee Livestock Center in early December as instructor Alana Vaught was forced to cancel because of COVID-19 concerns early in the semester. So, led by a sophomore from Mount Juliet, Lily Steed, and others, they carried agriculture to the Rutherford County School that has been a teacher training partner with MTSU for 90-plus years. The MTSU School of Agriculture crew provided handheld pumpkins and stickers to make pumpkin faces, fun crafts, bags of shelled corn for counting, a student-driven video, bookmarks, coloring books, a book for the teachers, and more. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Gerald, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Happy to, to be here. The uh, paper was published in Leisure Services, that's the name of the journal, so it was important for you to establish in your research whether the quadriplegics interviewed consider sex a leisure activity, do they? It's a really interesting question because, you know, personally before this, you know, I never really thought of it that way, and I don't think a lot of people have, but, you know, um, sex when it's, you know, consensual, for pleasure is a form of leisure. And so six said yes, definitely. Um, and then the 40% that said no, some of them said sex wasn't leisure because um, it was either of higher importance, like it's just this thing in all in its own. Um, somebody said it was more like work. But um, one of them said a couple of them in their no responses, they, they talked about it no, it's not leisure, but like one guy, hey, what do you do for leisure? He's like, I play video games. You know, do you consider sex to be leisure? No. What's your favorite thing to do? You know, if given the, he's like, well, if I'm playing video games, my wife says, hey, let's have sex. He's like, I'll drop the controller in a heartbeat to, to go and have sex. So even though the few that said no, they still gave it like leisure qualities and, and placed a lot of importance on it, if that makes sense. You interviewed 10 people, seven men and three women, and two of the three women uh, self-identify as gay. What questions did you ask them? Demographic information, of course, but uh, there was about 13 questions, and I encourage anyone that listens to this to uh, go check out the article. Um, really interesting stuff, but, you know, hey, what is your disability? 
um, and being a person with a disability, I wanted to also ask, so, you know, what is your, your disability and what type of function do you have? So they all explained, you know, C6, um, incomplete spinal cord injury. I, I don't have use of my triceps, like went into all of that detail. Um, what is your, your relationship status? And um, ask them how important is it to be sexually active? If you're not sexually active, do you want to be? And then things like, um, you know, what's your favorite position? And then how do you view your own sexuality? How do you feel others view your sexuality? Um, ask them if there were any modifications used whenever they have sex. Um, and then some questions about how sex relates to their quality of life and uh, sense of well-being. And then, of course, as you pointed out, um, if they considered leisure to be sex. You uh, identify quadriplegics as givers during sex. What does that mean? So, yeah, that was one of those things because it's qualitative research. And so every, you know, instead of stats and numbers, we got narratives and stories. And that was one of the things that just jumped out. And that is referring to the um, quadriplegics in this um, study in loving to give pleasure. Placing, we'll say being a giver, placing more of an importance on their, um, their partner's pleasure um, and needs over their own in a way. Like, for example, some of them um, would say, when I ask that question, you know, what is your favorite um, sexual position? One of them just answered just to be given. Like, didn't say a certain position. Some of them did. Um, but some of them just said, just given any position. It was apparent from, from the data big time that, that the quads were, the quadriplegics in the study were, were givers and really loved to please their partner. Um, oral sex was the most popular form of doing so, of giving pleasure. So um, nine out of 10, yeah. And I got to point out that one of the um, the um, women in our study wasn't sexually active and hasn't been so since her accident. So out of the ones that were sexually active, you know, all of them were, were really big on giving. We'll take a break right here. We will be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. 
We're talking about a research project regarding sexuality by quadriplegics, how they view themselves, how society views them as sexual beings. Gerald Christian is a doctoral candidate in human performance, and he's a co-author of this article, along with Dr. Joey Gray and Dr. Jackie Eller and Kelsey Roberts, all of MTSU. Something Chad said was interesting. Chad, this is a, a full of pseudonyms. Each and every person in the project had a pseudonym to protect their privacy. Uh, the person referred to as Chad said, I feel like I'm having sex with her for all the quads out there. I have to represent for us. And I go out of my way to try to over, overcompensate or blow their mind. I'm just trying to give us a good name. Did others express that attitude that they felt when they were having sex, they were representing quadriplegics as opposed to just engaging in an individual activity? Nobody such as Chad did, like just so directly that way. Um, there was the shared sense of, you know, they all perceived that people, you know, either either just completely dismiss their sexuality or just downplay it. Um, but Chad was the one with the, that said, you know, hey, when, I, when I'm having um, sex with someone, I feel like I'm having sex for, for all the quads out there. And then he went on to say, I'm just trying to give um, quadriplegics. He said, oh, that's a good name. So I think that was really just Chad outright saying it. But there was definitely a strong unity. You could just, from reading the transcripts and the narratives, you know, Chad didn't go into why, you know, after saying that statement. But we kind of seen it interpreted as a way of, you know, compensating for being seen as, you know, someone without a sexuality or a sex life. Uh, we call it non-sexual in the paper not being seen as sexual beings. So that is, you know, what we think Chad's talking about there. Yeah, Chad was definitely a goldmine of information um, when it comes to, to talking about sex and everything. There was unanimity among them in the, the way they saw society looking at them as sort of pets, a little condescension, a little pat on the head of, uh, as opposed to someone who actually has a sexual essence. And some of the people sitting next to them were even told by people, well, why are you even considering him? He's in a chair. Arrow was talking about how he was, you know, in, uh, I think, a bar somewhere, social setting, and talking with a girl. And they're flirting, kind of getting to know each other. And he said that somebody came up and just, like this guy is near. I loved it. Did you say head? Like just a, a head a minute ago, like kind of treated like just that. Cause that was so dead on kind of just dismissing that their whole little conversation was happening and stepped in and started talking. And there I was said, you know, Hey, he's like, I put my arm up and was like, Hey, me and her are talking. And the guy says, what are you talking to him for? He's in a wheelchair. Um, so definitely across the board for, um, the men and the women in the study was, you know, the, a lot of um, vibes. Um, we call them asexual vibes, the perception of others, I guess I would say dismissing them a, as a sexual person. 
There uh, are a couple of terms that uh, the non-quadriplegic community might not have heard before. If I could get you to explain them, what is a mental orgasm? So being totally absorbed in the moment um, during sexual activity and immersed in the activity to the point where there is just like a physical orgasm and we talked about, that's kind of what we were meaning about when we say traditional orgasm in the paper. Um, the mental orgasm, just like the uh, a physical traditional orgasm, as the activity you know continues, there's a buildup, and then there's just this big release of endorphins and euphoria. But um, in the literature, what's talked about is you know with if sensation throughout you know some or you know parts or most of your body is um, lessened then the the senses you do have will be heightened so like a, a mental heightened excitement um, compensating for for lack of full sensation throughout the body or also some of the literature talks about muscle memory so remembering how something because you know everyone in this study um, wasn't born with a disability. They had one at some point in their lives. And remembering how something feels can, can lead to this mental excitement and buildup and mental orgasm. So, but it's definitely uh, something you don't hear about. We, with spinal cord injuries, we look at feeling and function. You know, you can have one or the other. Um, spinal cord injuries are very complex and very weird. You know, you can have paralysis, so no movement but still be able to feel something um, or vice versa. And so we, we use the term with feeling and sensation throughout, you know, parts of the body is altered. Um, so because it could have meant, you know, some of the individuals not being able to feel at all or some having some sensation in um, their genitals or areas below their level of injury um, to some having a lot of sensation. So it's really weird and it varies so much. And with regard to men, what is a reflex erection? So a lot of them experience these uh, reflex erections shortly after their accident and that made them, you know, a big sense of relief. They were talking about like, okay, you know, I realized, hey, you know, just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean everything's over. So, but it happens early on in the hospital. So psychogenic arousal is where you can visually see something and get an erection become aroused and so what they were talking about in the term reflex erection is referring to and remember all spinal cord injuries are different in some cases you know seeing and thinking something can translate um, to having an erection, but for most of the men in the study, they had reflex erections, which meant physical contact. The uh, signals traveling down the spinal cord injury, those signals aren't getting through and leading to physical arousal. But I think of the reflex erection is just stimulation, physical stimulation, nothing mental at all. Um, kind of like with the leg, when you, um, you know, hit below the knee and the leg kicks, um, through physical stimulation, the um, erection occurs, and they call it the reflex erection. So we had seven men in the study. Three of them, you know, have reflex erections and don't use any methods. 
um, to maintain their erections during sexual activity. But um, the other four, so three didn't use anything um, to maintain erections and four of them used some type of uh, erectile dysfunction uh, medication to maintain the erection for uh, sexual intercourse or um, whatever sexual activity they were engaging in. The extent of sensation and the extent of function really varies quite widely from individual to individual. It's not as though you could say all quadriplegics feel this or all, quad or par all paraplegics feel that. It depends upon which vertebrae are affected and a lot of other factors, right? Yes, so many, and it's, it's quite fascinating. So, and we did really good with quadriplegia means some um, impairment in some or all four limbs. So we're talking about the cervical vertebrae and we got um, participants that damaged their C5 vertebrae um, to C7 and a bunch of them in between. So it's where the spinal cord injury is, but then it's also was the spinal cord um, severed completely severed, and that's um, the one that leads to the, you know, just total decreased, can lead to decreased, total de, um, decreased sensation, or was it just crushed, or was it just bruised? All of those things can, can lead to becoming a quadriplegic paralysis, um, but all the variant sensations. So for example, you take two um, C5-6s. Um, and where that is, um, you know, you most of the time don't have, you'll have biceps. So the front of your arms, you could use that, but you might not have, most likely you won't have use of your triceps, at least not full use. But even two aren't always exactly the same. Like one of these, C5-6, um, his left butt cheek, he completely feel it. Um, and they'll paralyze from the chest down. And, and with the other, you know, other C5-6 and just other ones, you know, no sensation in left butt cheek. Like it's, it's very random and really weird how it happens. Um, and the spinal cord, in, spinal cord injuries are so complex, there's some that can result in, because uh, it's some impairment or in some or all impairment in the four limbs to, to be quadriplegic, where paraplegia is just uh, um, the two limbs, your, your lower limbs, but quadriplegia is so complex. There are people that sustain a cervical spinal cord injury um, and they can move their legs and walk um, to some extent, but can't move their arms. Um, so it is really weird, so vast, and, and such a variety of different, and that's why we used qualitative methods, um, because this stuff's just so complicated. There's so many things intersecting. Um, it, it's kind of hard to, to make, and we talk about this in the uh, literature review a lot, because you know, it, people are, it, it, it's not as overlooked as it once was in um, research, disability and sexuality, but a lot of times it is done through a survey. 
And with all the just variety that me and you are talking about in the past few minutes, it's hard to make a, a survey question that fits all that stuff. So that's a big reason why we went with narratives um, so we could get a try to get a deep understanding of all the you know ins and outs and, and how big the uh, world of quadriplegia and spinal cord injury uh, results are. Time for another break right now. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gerald Christian is our guest. He's a doctoral candidate in human performance. He's the lead author, along with three other MTSU uh, individuals, of uh, Quadriplegic Sexuality, Demystifying Misconceptions, uh, which is a research article published in the journal Leisure Sciences in uh, January of uh, 2020. Uh, since you are a quadriplegic yourself, and your three co-authors, Joey Gray, Jackie Eller, and Kelsey Roberts are, uh, I believe not. Uh, how did the four of you work together on this research project? It was just a team approach to designing the methods we wanted to use, the questions, um, kind of coming up with the script and conducting. We, we, we did word of mouth sampling, so we put the word out there that we were looking for um, quadriplegics to interview about sexuality. Um, and then we would always give options on, so I conducted, because it's a sensitive topic, you know. Um, so we would say, hey, we have a male who is um, also a quadriplegic that you can have to interview you, or um, you can have a, a uh, interviewer that is a woman, um, and we had people from LGBTQT um, um, side that could interview, so we would always give them that option. So we, we kind of shared that. I interviewed some other, uh, some of my co-authors did some interviews. And then in the writing stage, um, I would um, write and we, we analyzed the data and kind of would write and then just bounce it off of each other and um, all look at and see that we were seeing the same things from the data. It, it definitely was um, a team approach and everybody into it. We worked on this for so long. How could other researchers use your study as a jumping off point for other related research. You mentioned in the study that there is very little data available on this subject because not much research has been conducted in this arena. 
um, somebody, a team in Portugal, Santos and Santos, done a similar qualitative study on sex for women with a disability. So I was like, yes, that's so awesome. But in the past, though some quantitative stuff had been done, a lot of it would be quantitative. And a lot of times focusing just on reproduction, like, you know, can they get an erection or can't they? As compared to, to look at, there's so much more to sexuality. And so that's why we've done it. And a big thing we did was we just focused on quadriplegia. We would really love if somebody could, could use a similar method or similar questions um, and work with targeting um, people with paraplegia and spinal cord injuries, looking at the uh, sexual experiences, sex lives, and perceptions of people with cerebral palsy um, and sex, like looking at all these different impairments um, using a similar approach or the, the same questions. That's why we were big on putting the interview script in there. Disability is a minority group. People from majority groups or other minority groups, both genders, any race, ethnicity, all this stuff. So it's very wide. In the past, people researching it would lump all disabilities together. Once again, the uh articles called Quadriplegic Sexuality, Demystifying Misconceptions. It was printed in the peer-reviewed journal Leisure Sciences in January of this year, 2020. Gerald Christian, that's Gerald with a G dot Christian at mtsu.edu. Thanks, Gerald. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this with me. Thank you very much for happy to do it and, and so glad to, to see people talking about this stuff and being interested in that is what we were going for is to get people talking about sex and disability to hopefully where you know it becomes just a, a normal accepted thing that people with disabilities are sexual, have sexual lives just like people without disabilities. I'm happy to help with the conversation. We'll be right back. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. MTSU's equestrian team enjoyed impressive performances at two fall competitions, bringing home many blue ribbons despite driving back and forth each day. Coach Ariel Heron Higgins discusses the success and events MTSU will hold at Tennessee Miller Coliseum in February 2021 with strict COVID-19 protocols in place as needed. 
MTSU's equestrian team enjoyed impressive performances at two fall competitions, bringing home many blue ribbons despite driving back and forth each day. Coach Ariel Heron Higgins discusses the success and events MTSU will hold at Tennessee Miller Coliseum in February 2021 with strict COVID-19 protocols in place as needed. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.